The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Okay, Psalm 23. The title of my message for us tonight is The Lord is My Shepherd. The Lord is My Shepherd. Not too long ago, the magazine Rolling Stone magazine came out with what was, according to them, the definitive list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. And just in case you were wondering, I'll rattle off a few. Coming in at number 49 was the Eagles Hotel California. Coming in at number 26, I believe, was Otis Redding's Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Coming in at number three was John Lennon and the Beatles, Imagine, and claiming the top spot. Remember, this is Rolling Stone magazine. And according to them and their definitive list of the 500 greatest songs of all time, the number one song of all time was Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan. (laughs) Maybe not surprisingly, considering it was Rolling Stone magazine who came out with that. And we could debate that list. But if we were to compose a similar list of the greatest psalms of all time, my guess is there would be little debate and most of us would put Psalm 23 right there at the top of that list. And for good reason. I mean, for for 3,000 years now, Christians have been running to this psalm for comfort and solace and encouragement during difficult days and times of trial. It's not only beautiful and inspiring, but it's also wonderfully encouraging. Now, we know that David wrote the psalm. It's a psalm of David. But what we don't know and aren't told is when he composed the psalm. And there are a couple of different thoughts on that. Some scholars believe that David wrote the psalm as a young man. Perhaps he was sitting out there on one of those long, still, cool nights that they have in Judah there in the the hillside, the country where he would have been taking his flocks to graze. And and perhaps you can picture him out there looking up at a star-filled sky and he's surrounded by these flocks of sheep and the presence of God is thick and he's inspired and with a harp in hand, he composes the lyrics to this beautiful song. And some people believe that that's when he wrote it. But then there are others who believe that David wrote it as a much older man. And I think I would fall into that camp. Um, Personally, I think that the metaphors and the pictures that he paints in this psalm, they resonate with the experience of someone who's logged some miles in their walk with God, if you know what I'm talking about. And so I can picture David as an old man in his palace, his kingdom firmly established, and he sits down one day and he's just overwhelmed by the goodness of the Lord. And as he thinks back on a lifetime's worth of shared experiences and memories of God's faithfulness in his life, he's just overwhelmed by a sense of gratitude. And in that moment, I can picture him picking up his ink and his quill and beginning to write. And these are the words that flowed from his pen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. 
for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, it overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beautiful. David begins this psalm. He sets the table in the first verse, and, and he delivers the theme of the entire song when he makes this triumphant declaration that the Lord is my shepherd. Now you should know something. Whenever you see the word Lord in all caps like that, it's referring to the covenant name of God. It's pronounced in the Hebrew language as either Jehovah or Yahweh. And the reason I say it's one of those two is because we're not actually sure about the correct pronunciation. There's a reason for that. In ancient times, whenever the scribes who were transposing the word of God from scroll to scroll, whenever they would come to the name of God, they considered it so holy and so reverent. And they wanted to treat it with so much respect that they wouldn't include the vowels in the writing of that name for fear that they might accidentally write it in vain, right? The commandment, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. They thought that they might accidentally do that. So rather than risk it, they're like, we'll just not even include the vowels. That way we'll play it safe. Consequently, we aren't to this day sure exactly how the name of God is pronounced. Either Jehovah, some say it's Yahweh. For our purposes tonight, we're gonna go with Jehovah. And so this is the name of God. Now, some of you may recall that this is the name by which God first introduced himself to Moses there at the burning bush incident recorded for us in Exodus chapter 3. And, and Moses has this encounter with the Lord, for those of you who recall the story, and he's there on his knees in the Lord's presence, and God is telling him, I want you to go to Pharaoh and demand that he release my people from bondage and slavery. And Moses says to God in that moment, who shall I say sent me? What's your name? And God says to Moses, I am that I am. That's the name Jehovah. Who are you, God? I am. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. Now, that begs another question, doesn't it? I am what? And, and for the answer, we have to look to the rest of Scripture. For throughout the Bible, God continually fills in the blank for us. For example, to Abraham, God becomes Jehovah Jireh, which means I am your provider. Later on in the book of Exodus chapter 15, God becomes to his people their healer. He says, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. Later on in 1 Chronicles, Jehoshaphat was a king and he was experiencing a time where he was being confronted by this opposing army that was threatening the, the very existence of Israel. And the Lord speaks to his king through a prophet and he says to him, I am Jehovah Nisi. I am the Lord, your defender. And then, and then later on through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord speaks to his people again and he says, I am Jehovah Sidkenu. I'm the Lord, your righteousness. 
And so the picture, it becomes clearer and clearer the further you read in Scripture. And of course, it becomes the most clear when you get to the Gospels. And there we find Jesus making declarations like, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and so on and so forth. And so in Jesus, we see the picture illuminated and further broadened about who God is. And in this psalm, David completes the picture for us a bit more by telling us that the Lord is our shepherd, Jehovah Rophi, the Lord, our shepherd. Now, shepherds in ancient times weren't held in particularly high esteem. They didn't enjoy uh, a, a prestigious social status in ancient Israel. They were looked down upon and considered untrustworthy. But God seemed to have a different opinion about shepherds. As a matter of fact, he chose a number of shepherds to lead his people in significant ways. All of the original patriarchs of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all shepherds. Moses, the great deliverer of God's people, he too was a shepherd, as was David. And, and, and so in Jeremiah 23, 4, God describes the role of a shepherd as one who feeds the flock in such a way that they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking. So this is the role of a shepherd. Again, in Ezekiel 34, 2 through 4, God lists all that he expects a shepherd to do. And the list of responsibilities includes things like feeding the flock, strengthening the weak, healing the sick, binding up the broken, bringing back the strays, and seeking out the lost. So this is what it means to be a shepherd in God's eyes. Now, incidentally, all of those characteristics happen to be the, the same list of things that God looks for in a godly pastor or even a godly leader. A, a shepherd had all the makings, in God's opinion, of a good leader, which is why David was plucked from the sheephold. You see, when he was there living in obscurity, tending his father's flock, leading them from pasture to pasture, he wasn't just killing time, but God was preparing him in this master program for the time when he would lead the nation into fields where God could cause them to flourish. When David had to protect his sheep from from predators, God was teaching David the, the, the importance of watching over and caring for a nation. And in so many different ways, all the things that David learned in the sheepfold were lessons that he would later need when he was leading the nation. Right before he assumed the throne as the king, the Lord spoke to David about the leader he wanted him to be. And through the prophet Samuel, God said, I want you to shepherd my people to rule over Israel. I want you to shepherd my people. God said, I want you to shepherd them. I don't want you to drive my people like a cowboy, nor do I want you to govern my people like a politician. No, God says, I want you to shepherd them, to lead them to places where they can be fed and nourished and cared for. And that's exactly what David did. And a reflection on his life in Psalm 78, the, the Bible says that he shepherded them with integrity of heart. I just love the way that that's worded. David, the shepherd king, shepherded the people of God with a shepherd's heart. 
But this isn't a psalm about David the shepherd. This is a psalm about God, the great shepherd of our souls. And so here's what I think happened. David, as an older man, is reflecting on his own experiences and he has this aha moment in which he comes to this realization that the entire time he was leading the people of God, God was leading him. As he was providing for them, God was providing for him. As he was protecting them, God was protecting him. And that's why he declares in verse 1 emphatically, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, I know I'm taking my time with this verse, but it's it's with good reason. There's so much there to mine out. And as I think through and as we look closely at the verse, I wonder which word he intended for us to emphasize. I personally think that he meant for the emphasis to fall on the word my. The Lord is my shepherd, David is saying. It's almost like a humble brag. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's nothing. Like I have the Lord as my shepherd. (laughs) And it's as though David were saying, man, I'm God's favorite sheep. And, And the whole psalm just drips with this, this sentiment, this idea. It's so personal. He talks about how the Lord restores my soul, how the Lord leads me and how he prepares the table for me in the presence of my enemies and how he's he's going to lead me into eternity. And and so the whole thing is just wonderfully personal. I I saw a bumper sticker a while ago um, and the bumper sticker, I know bumper stickers aren't really a thing anymore, but I saw this sticker on a car and it said, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. And I kind of feel like this psalm is David's version of that sentiment. Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite sheep, the Lord. He is my shepherd. And here's the thing about that. I think that's how God wants all of us to feel. Psalm 100 verse 3 says this, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the the sheep of his pasture. We're just a bunch of sheeple. And we belong to the shepherd of our souls. And he treats each one of us as though we were his favorite. Now, in calling himself a sheep and in calling ourselves sheep, we're also admitting something significant about ourselves. Because you see, while sheep are cuddly and cute, that's about all that they've got going for them. And if you've been in and around the church for any length of time, you know that that's the case, right? Sheep aren't particularly independent. They're dependent creatures. They aren't self-reliant. They wouldn't survive in the wild on their own. Nor are they particularly smart. You can train all kinds of animals, but you'll never go to a circus and see uh, a trainer working with a sheep that he has trained to speak or sit or fetch or jump through a hoop or anything like that. They just, it's beyond what they're capable of. They don't have any defense mechanisms either. If a predator is coming after them, they can't run or jump or scratch or bite or fly away. They're just basically leg of lamb waiting there. And then to top it all off, they're not particularly clean animals. They, you know, all of God's creatures like birds, they preen and, and you have cats that lick themselves clean and nearly all of God's creatures have ways of getting themselves clean, but not so when it comes to sheep. The bottom line is they are entirely dependent upon their shepherd for their very survival, which is, again, why David was so excited. He knew that he had the very 
best shepherd anyone could have. And because, listen, because the Lord was his shepherd, David knew that he could also say, I lack nothing. Now, this is so key to the rest of this song. It was only because David could say, the Lord is my shepherd, that he could also say, I lack nothing. Other translations like the NLT, I love the way that that particular translation of the Bible translates this verse. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. But it's only those who can lay claim to the first half of that verse that, that can also lay claim to the second half. The fact of the matter is, if the Lord is not your shepherd, then you'll constantly be driven by all kinds of wants and desires and supposed needs. You see, that, there's a reason for that. Our hearts are like desire factories. They're constantly pumping out and producing new desires. And these desires lead us down all kinds of paths and roads that promise satisfaction but never deliver on the promise. This is why Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones were only echoing the sentiments of all humanity when they crooned, I can't get no satisfaction, but I try and I try and I try, but I can't get no, we can't find what we're looking for in this world. And there's a reason for that. God designed us with an inbuilt scratch on the inside of our souls that only he can itch. Eventually, we all learn the same lesson in life. Nothing can satisfy our souls. And that's what makes what David says here so profound. He says, I found something that can satisfy every need. I found something that it meets all of my conceivable wants, desires, wishes, and needs. And it's not a thing. It's not something, it's someone. I've stepped into a relationship with the Lord as my shepherd. And you can see how this plays out throughout the rest of the Psalm. Listen to this. Because the Lord was his shepherd, he never lacked rest or provision because the Lord made him lie down in green pastures. He also never lacked peace because the Lord led him beside quiet waters. He didn't lack restoration or encouragement when he fainted, failed, or fell because the Lord restored his soul. He never lacked guidance or fellowship either because the Lord guided him in paths of righteousness. He didn't lack courage when his way was dark because even though he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he knew that he didn't need to fear any evil. He never lacked companionship either because the Lord was ever with him. He didn't lack comfort because the Lord's rod and staff comforted him. He never lacked protection or honor because the Lord prepared a table for him in the presence of his enemies. He didn't lack power because the Lord anointed his head with oil. He didn't lack abundance because the Lord made sure that his cup overflowed. He didn't lack a God's abiding presence because the Lord's goodness and mercy followed him all the days of his life. And he never lacked security because he knew that he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. amen. Somebody say amen. Come on, this is, this is the promise of the Lord. He says, this is the gift that I want to give to you. Guidance, peace security, rest, courage, companionship, comfort, power, abundance. I want to meet all of your needs and take care of every take care of you in every conceivable way. All you have to do is make me your shepherd. Now that raises a question for us, doesn't it? Have you made the Lord your shepherd? Have you come to that place in your life where you've said, Jesus, you're not just 
a shepherd, not just the great shepherd of humanity, not even the shepherd, but can you honestly say with David tonight, that, Lord, you are my shepherd. Listen to what Jesus said. This is John 10, verses 14 and 15. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Do you hear what he said? I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me. So I know the sheep and listen, I, I prove my love for the sheep in this. How do we know you're a good shepherd? Because I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus also went on to say this in another place. He, he said, I call my sheep by name and I lead them out. When he's brought them out, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you know the shepherd's voice? Do you hear him calling your name? Do you wake up and when you open the word, does, does God's word speak to you? Do you hear the voice of the spirit and the word of God? This is how God speaks. When, when worship is, is happening, are you drawn into the presence of the Lord? Jesus said, my sheep, you'll know you're one of my sheep by a couple of different things. Number one, you follow me. Are you following Jesus? Number two, they know my voice. Do you know the voice of your shepherd this evening, do you know him? There's a story about a famous actor, an orator. He was at a party one time with a bunch of VIPs and, and they were pressuring him to recite a line of poetry or maybe uh, some lines from some of the literature that he had written and he was renowned for just his his ability to communicate in a way that was compelling and emotional and and he was resisting but then a, a preacher said hey why don't you why don't you recite the 23rd psalm <laughs> and the actor said I'll, I'll only do that if if you promise to do it after me and so the preacher reluctantly agreed and so the the actor he begins and with perfect diction and with a swelling voice he 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 rose the psalm and he brought it back down and he brought the people in and he brought his voice down to a whisper at points and and people were just hanging on his every word and by the time he got to the end of the psalm everybody was standing and applauding it was that kind of emotional experience it was so moving and then he pointed to the preacher and he said it's your turn when this old country preacher stood up and with a gruff and rough voice and poor diction, he began to recite the shepherd's psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me by side still waters, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and so on and so forth. And by the time he got to the end of the psalm, everyone was weeping, they were just crying. And someone was standing next to the order, the actor, and they said to him, hey, what, what was the difference between you two? Why, why did that move us to tears? And, and the actor, he was insightful. He said, well, I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. What about you? Do you know the shepherd? And I had a lot more that I wanted to walk us through tonight. I have notes through verse three, but I feel like this is where the Lord wants us to land. 
just in this place of finding our way back to a personal loving relationship with Jesus. He loves you so, so much. He wants to lead you into green pastures. He wants to lead you beside quiet waters and he wants to refresh your soul. The word refresh, it can be translated as repair or as renew or restore. There's a picture there. Some of you are familiar with this. Sometimes as shepherds would lead their flock through the fields, they'd have a particular sheep that continually wandered off and it could be dangerous for the sheep. There are predators, there are cliffs, there are other dangers. It might fall into a stream and drown and so on and so forth. And so in the case where there was a particularly obstinate, unruly sheep that was always wandering off, the shepherd would go to such a sheep and he would take it in his arms and he would break the sheep's leg. And you can imagine the sheep in that moment, if the sheep could speak, it would look into the eyes of its shepherd and say, how could you? I thought you loved me. And yet you broke my leg. And little Curly would be there with tears streaming down his face. But then the shepherd would do something. He would immediately reset the bone and he would tenderly and with loving care splint the leg and create a cast And then because the sheep couldn't walk, he would take that sheep with a broken leg and he would carry it on his shoulders for the next several weeks while the bone continued to heal. And during that time, he would dress the wound. He would give the sheep water. He would provide for all of its needs and he would develop a close bond with the sheep so that after the bone had completely healed, that sheep would stay right by the shepherd's side and never wander away again. And maybe the Lord wants to refresh, repair, restore a broken part of your soul. We live in a world that has a way of just, it saps energy from our souls. Your soul is your mind, it's your will, it's your emotions, it's you all rolled into one. And and there are things that will drain your soul in this world. Can I get a witness? We live in a world that, that saps our spiritual vitality. And some of that comes because of sin. When you have unrepentant sin in your life, it will be a drain on your spiritual vitality. But there are other things that sap our souls as well. I mean, some things happen and, and some of that draining comes just because you're a resident earth, of earth. It's kind of like this. You go to your mailbox and have you ever gotten a letter addressed to the current resident at your house? You're like, you know, that's really personal one. You're going to want to open immediately. Current resident. Well, you know, in life, sometimes you get mail delivered to you and you go through things that drain and sap you and and just they, they wreak havoc on your soul just for no other reason than because you're a resident of this earth. And so there are all these things that happen to us and Jesus says, I want to refresh your soul. I want to put it into right alignment and I want to lead you down paths of righteousness for my name's sake, for his name's sake. There's two ways you can go through life. You can go through life on your own, making your own decisions. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I know what's best for me and my family. (laughs) And you'll make a mess of things really quickly. A lot of people have gone down that road and man, just as sheep are prone to take any path, no matter where it leads, how dangerous it might be, 
That's like us. We all like sheep have gone astray, the Bible says. We've all turned to the side. But, but when we follow him, he leads us down paths of righteousness. The path that you want to walk in is the path that is led by the shepherd. He's going before you. And then if you fast forward to the end of the psalm, which Sean is going to look at next week, verses four, five, and six, it says he follows us with goodness and mercy. So he's going before us. He's ever with us. He's preparing a table before us. And then he's following after us with goodness and mercy. This is the picture of the good shepherd. And again, I want to just ask you, do you know him? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our midweek revive service held Wednesday evenings. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.